Well, you may have heard over the past little while that there's been quite a bit of consternation over what is coming in March here in Canada, which are updates or changes, at least, to the medical assistance in dying or MAID uh, rules in this country. In March, Canada will become one of the few countries in the world that allows euthanasia for people with mental disorders, a step that will make the country's assisted dying legislation really among the most liberal on the planet. How did we get here? Well, when MAID became legal in 2016 after a Supreme Court decision, only patients with a terminal illness were eligible. Then in 2019, a Quebec judge ruled that that was unconstitutional, and then Parliament amended that legislation to include adults who didn't have a reasonable, reasonably foreseeable death. So in other words, they were not terminally ill. It was something that you would have to decide, and it's much more complicated than that, but that was essentially a change. Now, that change took effect immediately for Canadians with physical illnesses, but it was paused for cases based solely on mental disorders to give more time for everyone to look at how this would work. Now, following the initial passage of that law, the government directed an expert panel to come up with some guidelines on how medically assisted dying would work with people with a mental disorder. Um, The panel called for more guidelines and training for doctors who participate in Maine, ongoing reviews and research into its use. And, for, and to work with both doctors and patients to determine whether a person faces an illness that is incurable or is in a state of reduced capability. So lots of different definitions going on there. It's a huge, huge step um, altogether. I mean, the whole thing was a huge step, and this is an even bigger one now. The two-year study period officially comes to an end in mid-March. So starting then, people with a mental illness will be able to seek medically assisted death, provided they have the support of two doctors or nurse practitioners. But there are growing calls to say that we simply aren't ready yet, that the safeguards aren't in place yet. The association representing the lead psychiatrists at Canada's 17 medical schools has called on the government to delay the expansion of MAID to people with mental illness. And that's joining a group, a larger group of doctors, vocal group, who say, again, that we just aren't ready yet. A statement last week by the Association of Chairs of Psychiatry in Canada says more time is needed to develop high-quality standards of care, doctor training, and expert consensus before allowing Canadians to apply for medically-assisted death with mental illness as their sole condition. Um, The truth is we need to get this right. Uh, This isn't the kind of thing you put into place and then fix it after, I wouldn't think. Um, Now, the Justice Minister, David Labetti, has been asked to delay that expansion. He says that would require an act of Parliament, and so far... He seems to be unwilling to uh, to accord that delay. But to explain this and what's at stake and what they would like to see done, uh, joining me now is Dr. Jatinder Serene. He's head of psychiatry or the head of the psychiatry department at the University of Manitoba. Thank you so much, doctor. Thank you for having me today. So just, I'm not sure how correct that was in layman's terms. I'm not sure how correct that all was, but we are marching very quickly towards quite a significant change in our medically assisted uh, medical assistance in dying legislation. Uh, what is the concern uh, heading towards mid-March? Well, I, I think you've really highlighted the background extremely well. Uh, I think just want to underscore and that the two-year study period was really arbitrary. Uh, and I think it's very important to, to note that all of the chairs um, uh, really felt that uh, there's a lot of great work being done to get ready for this legislative change, but we simply um, are not going to be ready by March 2023. So we we know that a, a lot of work has been done and is being done, um, but we felt that uh, you know there's some fundamental uh, issues that have not been sorted out, 
And that's no fault of anyone. It, the, the fundamental issues are really um, difficult to sort out because there's very limited international literature on this, right? As you mentioned earlier, there are very, very few countries in the world that allow made for mental illness. So when we're trying to come up with criteria around who's eligible, what are the clinical standards, well, those, um, there's a lot of controversy and a lack of expert opinion on these things. Yeah, I guess it is, it is incredibly difficult to be amongst the first to, to step into this fairly uncharted territory. Exactly. And, and so one of the key criteria um, is really the idea of irremediability. And, and that means um, treatment resistance, that, that a person uh, with a mental illness, for example, you know, has tried a number of different treatments, and then um, they're treatment resistant and are, and are unlikely to get better. And that's where it's very, very challenging for a psychiatrist when they're sitting with one person to say, well, you know, they've they will never get better. Um, and that's one of the, the difficulties that's, that, um, you know, there could be medication treatments, um, psychological treatments, or sometimes naturally uh, people um, have a, a reduction in their distress or, uh, over time. So that's that fundamental criteria of irremediability and how two psychiatrists uh, or two physicians will come to that, that's, that, that's one of the, the core challenges because there is no um, agreed-upon definition. And the other thing I want to say is that mental illnesses are not one, right? We have you know, depression, anxiety, we have schizophrenia, we have uh, substance use difficulties, and, um, and each of them have a number of different treatment pathways. And I think, you know, the most important thing that I, I'd like people to, who are listening to this to know it is that, that um, the vast majority of people, when they get the right treatments, actually get better and remit uh, and feel better uh, when they have a mental health condition. So uh, if you are suffering with depression, anxiety, or a, a addiction issue, please do reach out and get help because help is um, uh, you know, not only helpful, but it can actually reduce uh, uh, the symptoms that the person is dealing with so, and improve functioning. So I think sometimes you know, as we're talking about MAID, we, we kind of can be focused on the negative, but I, I want people to be aware that there are lots of treatments available um, and uh, it's really important to work with your primary care doc or, or your uh, mental health provider to make sure that if, if one treatment's not working, then um, what's the next step? And for each area, each condition, schizophrenia, depression, anxiety, there are clinical practice guidelines that say, you know, if this um, medication fails or this treatment fails, this is the next step. And I think the, the challenge is really how many steps does a person have to go through before they're considered treatment resistant? Um, and those are very difficult questions. It strikes me just reading about this in the past, reading about it a lot today, just what a difficult situation. And this is no fault of anyone. It's not the fault of the legislation. It's not the fault of those who seek out medical assistance in dying. 
but just how difficult a situation it places medical professionals in. Because if it if you get it wrong on this one, if there is a mistake or it's called into question, um, and the guidelines aren't clear, what is the recourse? Where do you go? Right, and and I think that's where you know our work in Manitoba. We were working on the guidelines over the last spring and summer, uh, and then we had our annual meeting and and many of the uh, chairs at the annual meeting really were concerned that that uh, how can we start educating and training people um, in made assessments when a lot of that information hasn't been developed how do you create the standards clinical standards to make sure that you know uh, we provide the right person the right kind of treatment whether it's made or, or something else um, and even if you know, there's a report by February. Uh, we felt that uh, that to take that report and then train people to do um, the best that they can, that will take a, a lot of time. And we really want to ensure that you know there's a framework that's uh, a standard that's across the country that each province is not you know doing something completely different, right? Uh, and and that is a that is a concern as well that, you know, for example, um, it, you know, if, if one province has a, a lower bar on uh, for MAID versus a higher bar or how many assessments are required, uh, do you engage family in, in, in those assessments? Those are all kind of difficult questions. Um, and as a psychiatrist and mental health provider, usually um, we, you know, if somebody is concerned and, and thinking about suicide, we are actively engaging family members, even when when people don't necessarily want their family members involved. Um, and you know, how does that work if somebody has a made request? Um, and you know, we encourage family members, but um, to be involved. But how, how do we balance the privacy of the the individual, but also you know, if made occurs, then the family member may come to the uh, providers and, and have complaints. So yeah. I, I think it's a very I, complex issue and it's, it's really challenging um, for the, the many psychiatrists to kind of try to figure out how do you differentiate is, is um, a request of made as suicidal ideation and, and we usually take the pathway of trying to help reduce that distress through you know, therapy, medications, or sometimes even uh, hospitalization versus the, the other pathway of helping them the, um, towards uh, MAID. Right. Even, even the controversy surrounding, and I know this came up um, with, it's come up a lot in Parliament recently with uh, reports of conversations between veterans and Veterans Affairs, where even the idea of suggesting it or, or bringing it up can be seen um, to be crossing a line. And that's something that's going to have to be figured out. The parameters around that are really going to have to be figured out. Exactly. And I think, I think the, the important thing around you know, understanding suicidal thinking is that it's, not, it's often related to not only a mental health condition, but um, often includes family stress, economic stress, um, housing, um, loss of a job, those are all factors, physical health problems, uh, stress. So, so you know, I, I think the concern is really uh, how much of, of someone's suicidal 
thinking or made requests are related to to being um, you know a burden on their family member or economic stress that they're dealing with. And you're absolutely right. The the, the cases with the veterans, like when when does a provider um, offer made? Uh, you know, what are the ethical obligations around that? And and you know that's certainly uh, the our our biggest concerns is that people who are waiting for a long period of time for mental health um, treatment, um, you know, they might be requesting made um, because they just feel like there's no hope in getting treatment because I think uh, we all know in post-pandemic, there's such a big need uh, as far as distress in, in the population and the waiting lines for for treatment are much longer, um, you know, in Manitoba, yeah. even uh, six months. So, uh, Dr. Serene, when you look at what you've been hearing from Ottawa, I get the impression that they feel like they can go ahead with this and iron out the issues as they arise. What, what do you see as the challenge with that? Um, well, I, I think we, we respectfully disagree. Uh, I right. think that that is the, the reason that we raised it. Um, we have been waiting for the guidelines and uh, uh, we we think that uh, we really do need to figure out a way to pause this um, because it, we are in the middle of a, a mental health pandemic and people are suffering and we need to focus our energies on getting people the right care at the right time and the um, the worst thing to do is to to open this up without careful uh, criteria and. I think it's really, really challenging because this is a, a sea change, right? This is not a, is. a small change. It, you know, a person right now, as of today, if they are sitting with a, you know, a provider and they're saying they're thinking about suicide, and and um, you know, uh, as part of their practice, it's very they have to take that very carefully, and they have to help to make sure that they're not actively suicidal and help them get appropriate care and sometimes engaging family, getting them sometimes even involuntarily hospitalizing. Mm -hmm. So now all of a sudden, uh, March 18th comes, uh, that same interaction is completely different. Um, And uh, I think there are guidelines that are being pulled together, but again, it was an arbitrary two-year period. um, And... We did have a pandemic that was happening during the last two years that most of us, including myself and all the providers, have been focused on trying to survive the, the health, the pandemic. And now we have a burnt out healthcare uh, staffing and, and there's the highest levels of distress. So um, I think as a country, if you compare our country to other countries like Netherlands, we don't invest enough money in mental health services. Um, and so the, yeah. there, are, there are very, very um, uh, effective suicidal treatments, both uh, you know, uh, medications, or, um, but also psychological treatments that many Canadians just don't have access to because of the long waiting time. So I think we, 
need to um, focus our energies on on that. Um, we don't even have like how many Canadians would be eligible for MAID, right? Um, right. Like so you're putting for. What would a reasonable delay look like? Do you think? What would a reasonable delay in your mind look like at this point? Do we even know? Um, I I think you know. I think many have called for at least a year uh, as, a, as a delay. Uh, I think, you know, just like in other areas of, of technology or health systems, we set targets, but we also change those targets when things, when we're not ready, uh, right? Like if you're, if you're launching a new medication or new intervention or a new car, um, you can set your targets, but if, if you don't have the fundamental thing sorted out, you're not going to just launch um, based on some arbitrary deadline, right? You, you want to make sure that you have all the clinical standards. You want to make sure that people know what they're going to do um, uh, and the appropriate training before you, you implement such a, a large change. So, it makes, yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. Uh, overall, this seems like such a giant step that we absolutely have to get. And there's so much controversy around it there's so many eyes on it that we absolutely have to get it right exactly dr serene thank you so much for your time tonight thank you